Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Rob Krechak, Chief Connection Officer of Humans First. We are now spending close to four hours per day on our smartphones, a 59% increase compared to just two years ago. The total amount of time that each person spends in front of all media, including screens, per day is 12 hours and 21 minutes, which is up 11% over two years. The amount of time we spend socializing each day has dropped 18% compared to 2003. Rob is here to raise your awareness of how technology is impacting your mental health, your relationships, and your productivity at work. And we'll hear his thoughts in just a minute. 60% of the time, it works every time. What are you people? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Well, hello. How are you? I'm doing really good. 2022 is in our midst. Yes, certainly. Wow. And, you know, some of those statistics you were just tossing out there are pretty amazing. It's scary, actually. Yeah. I I don't think this topic could have come at a better time. And it drives me crazy. I mean, just sitting around the house, you know, you just every once in a while look up and and there's my two kids and my wife and everybody's just staring at their phone. Yeah. And it just makes me kind of cringe at what's happening, you know. It just drives you nuts. But then I find that I'm doing it all the time, too. Well, what I'm looking up from is my phone. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. So anyway, I can't wait to hear this. Well, let's dive into it. Rob Krejcik is the Chief Connection Officer at Human First, and he is on a mission to positively impact the lives of one billion people with his company. The company aims to show people how technology is impacting their mental health, relationships, and productivity at work. And we're excited to hear more. Welcome, Rob. Yeah, well, thank you, Victoria and Mark. Really appreciate you guys having me, and happy New Year. Oh, same to you. You know, and it was great that you were referred to us by one of our wonderful members of our Roundtables program. And I love hearing, learning about people through our members because they just connect with such awesomeness out there. So we're real excited Mm -hmm. to have you. It's a kind of a new topic for this show, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I thank you to Lewis for referring me and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to chat with you guys and uh, talk about this topic today. I really think, especially because it's the new year, a lot of people are really, uh, you know, have their New Year's resolutions or want to be more mindful about certain things in their life. And so, like you were saying earlier, I think the timing is great for a lot of people. Well, so tell us, what are some of the most common ways that technology is impacting us that we're not even aware of? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is that, and if, if you look at technology as a whole, here's kind of what I believe is happening to society after four years of researching this topic, the way I would describe it is technology is inducing a lot more stress in our life. And it's also taking away a lot of those uh, sources of social support that we have. And so when you think about that, you know, an equation for somebody and, you know, they're being more stressed out and then have less support that is leading to a lot of these mental health problems that we're having. Mm. And so, and, and both ends of the equation are going in the wrong direction. And so, you know, I'm, what, the first thing for behavior change that's necessary is awareness. And right. you can't, so you can't change your behavior if you're not aware that something is happening. And so my goal today with you guys and really with my company, Humans First, 
is to just simply start by generating awareness for people of what is happening. Now, you just mentioned that you've been studying this, researching it for four years. Yeah, absolutely. So this this company, though, is kind of a, a combination of all three of my past totally different careers. I started off my career in finance. I was a sell-side equity analyst, and I researched pharmaceutical and medical device stocks, so I really understood and learned the business world and how the public markets work. And then I owned three Anytime Fitness Health Clubs in three different states across the country. <laughs> so, you know, health and fitness is something I'm really passionate about and helping people. Uh, but then I also own four You Break That Fix cell phone repair stores all in Milwaukee. And so when you look at my career, it's sort of crazy that it's business and then health and fitness and technology. But I'm actually combining all three of those today with my new company, Humans First, so that I can. And, and that's why I believe this perspective is very unique. A lot of people will look at this problem and they'll say, oh, like I'm only going to look at technology or I'm only going to look at psychology. But I'm combining uh, studies in psychology, technology, biology, and sociology to come up with these insights and, and, and takeaways from people. Well, so what was the impetus to cause you to go down this road? Yeah, so I'll tell you a brief story. Um, I was at my You Break I Fix in Brookfield, and I was at the front desk checking people into the store, you know, like I had done literally thousands of times. And so this middle-aged woman comes into the store, and she's literally shoving her, I'm guessing he's like a 15-year-old son, she's shoving him up to the front counter, and she says to her son, hey, Johnny, I need you to tell this man what you did your smartphone so that he can fix it for you. And I looked at the kid, and I just felt so bad because he could barely look me in the eye. He couldn't stammer out a sentence. He really had a very tough time conveying what had happened to his phone and what he wanted me to do. And, you know, I thought to myself, well, maybe maybe he has some sort of developmental disability or something. I'm not quite sure. But, you know, I did my best to help him. We were able to fix his phone and everything went fine with that transaction. But then after that day, I started paying more attention. And what, I, and what happened is this same type of scenario just kept happening over and over and over. And what I realized is it's not that this many kids have a developmental disability today. It's just that this is how kids are. And then the light bulb went off and I said to myself, well, these kids are probably heavy users of tech because they're coming into my store and they need to get their tech fixed as soon as it's broken. And maybe tech technology is the root cause of why they're acting this way or why they aren't socially confident. And so I, you know, started reading this just a ridiculous amount of books, over 100 books over the last four years and, you know, countless psychological studies. And, you know, that kind of brought me to where I am today. Okay, wow, that's really interesting. So, you know, why do you think this is such a big problem? I mean, what's going on out there? What are you seeing in in all of your studies? Well, not to... (laughs) Not to sound too doomsday, but I mean, I legitimately believe that this is the biggest threat to humanity that we have. It is way bigger than anything else because it is, it's in a few years, it's literally going to impact every single human on earth, everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. Today, 4.7 billion people are connected to the internet. And in the next five years, the other 4 billion people in the world are going to be connected. And so when you have something that's that scalable and that you know, um, widely used across the entire world, there, it's, not, it's not impossible to say that this, the things that are happening with this, um, we'll just say, uh, unmindful tech use could literally be impacting all 9 billion people on the planet, uh, you know, in, a, in five years' time. And the reason that I'm concerned about it is there are so many things that are happening to the average person, and the, the ironic part is they're actually doing it to themselves 
and they don't even realize it. And it's not just impacting them, it's impacting their families, their job, their, their mental health, all these things that, you know, are, are very interrelated because technology is so interrelated in our life. I mean, we basically can't do anything today without technology, which in a lot of ways is a very good thing. Right. But in other ways, it's also very scary because when that technology is misused or not used correctly, it can really have negative effects that, again, are happening to people all the time that they don't even realize or understand. So, I mean, is the main problem, does the, does the main problem revolve around plain old too much screen time? We're just, or is it the type of things that we're getting involved in? Yeah, that's a great question, Victoria. So I would say it's both and neither. It really just depends, right? And of course, that's not a, a, the best answer. But here's the thing is, there are a lot of ways where the average person can use technology and it serves them well. If, for instance, they're mindful about how they're using it and it serves a purpose for them and they're aware of that purpose, that allows them to mostly, use, in my opinion, use technology in a way that is very helpful and beneficial for them or could you know, serve them well. But then there are a lot of ways where technology is used excessively or it's used without intent, you know, any mindful intent, let's say, or you know, it's, it's used in a way that's actually detrimental but even though it doesn't have good intent or it's detrimental, people, ironically, people still interpret it as being or feeling good in the moment. And there's, so there's this disconnect between how we feel and what's actually good for us that's happening to most people with a lot of technology. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. You know, it reminded me of, uh, this is my sort of a, my trash TV is I watch The Hoarders once in a while. Sure. You know, and they get that they get that thrill from buying the next thing. You know, it's like <laughs> technology right then. They're loving it. But then it turns into hell after, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that you make that comparison because a, a, a much more scary version of that is happening to everyone everywhere almost all the time with our phones. So here's kind of what happens you have this dopamine system in your body and it's generally used for like keeping you motivated or rewarding you. And the reason we want to be motivated is as you like think about humans as a very intelligent animal, right? That's really what we are. And so what we need, what animals need to do, uh, their most basic instinct is to survive. Right. And so we have this dopamine system to help us essentially search for food and keep us alive, right? Like right. that's a good thing. And, and we generally need that. Well, what's happening in today's world, though, is we don't need to search for food. Well, let's just say the vast majority of people in America don't need to search for food anymore. Of course, there's still people who you know, are, are very in poor areas of the world, and they, that is a concern for them. But for the average person in America, we don't need to look for food or shelter or clothing. We have all of our basic needs met for the most part, but we still have this very hardwired dopamine system that keeps us alive. And the, what the, the, the thing that's scary is, our phones are constantly hijacking this dopamine system. Every app or every uh, interaction with your phone is essentially a way for those apps to get your attention through this dopamine system so that you can spend more time on them, which means that those companies are therefore more successful and they make more money. And so essentially a very basic element of human nature is being exploited so that these companies, tons of companies in the tech industry can make more money. And I don't think that that's, I, I don't think that that's right, uh, you know, to the degree that it's happening today. Okay. That's yeah. Go ahead, Mark. Well, no, it just, and, you know, 
I agree a hundred percent with everything you're saying. It's been something that's been top of mind for me for years now. Again, my kids are now 12 and 13 and, um, you know, they've been, you know, on these, on these devices back using my iPad seven years ago and, you know, just getting lost in it. And now I feel like on top of everything you're saying, it's the perfect storm because of COVID. So now, Mm. you know, they're, not only was it already a uphill battle with yeah. children, but you know they're they're being kept out of schools. They're, I mean, we're literally telling them not essentially not to socialize, right? Six six social distancing, you know, yeah. it's it's masks and all that. I mean, w- are you seeing any other issues with that whole component? Because it's I feel like it accelerated what's already was on a exponential trajectory as it was. Yeah, Mark, so that's, a, that's an incredibly good insight, and I totally, so I'm, essentially what you're saying is exactly what I've seen in the data. By the way, the statistics in the beginning of the show that you gave about screen time, those were actually pre-COVID. Those were before COVID even wow. happened. And so when you look at the after-COVID statistics, they're even worse, right? And so, and, you know, let, you know to, be, to be totally fair, I totally understand why you know why we why as a society we needed more screen time during COVID. It was a, it was a necessity. It wasn't it wasn't something that we could help. But my worry is that all these bad habits that were established during COVID are just going to continue on because they seemed normal for a couple of years, and now we're just going to think that they're permanently normal forever. When I when when many of them are really really bad for their, our mental health and for our society as a whole. So- I'm really concerned about that. So what are you seeing in terms of the specific problems, the specific challenges that are cropping up? Oh, I mean, I literally, before this, this podcast, I wrote down a series of about 40 different cause and effect statements across all the different areas of tech that I'm seeing. And so obviously I can't cover all of them, but let me just give you a really simple example that is probably relevant for every single person in your podcast that's going to be listening. So uh, everyone, you know, knows what email is and that we have to basically use it as like for part of our job. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's un- unavoidable, right? And I understand that. But here's the psychology of why using email frequently is detrimental to you or bad. So here's what happens. So let's pretend it's Monday morning. You open up your email inbox and you have 200 unread emails, right? It's probably pretty common for most people. Right. Well, what happens is when you look at that list of 200 unread emails, all of a sudden it becomes very overwhelming because you're like, Oh my God, I have 200 emails and I only have, you know, 30 minutes to look through them this morning and I can't possibly respond to all these in the amount of time that I have. Right. And so you start to become overwhelmed. Well, when people become overwhelmed, that is actually a loss of, we experience that psychologically as a loss of control. And when people experience a loss of control, they see it as a threat. And when we see things as a threat, that increases our psychological stress. And so what happens is we perceive this threat. Oh my God, I'm out of control. I can't deal with all these emails. And then what happens is there's a chemical cascade that's called uh, our fight or flight system. It's our sympathetic nervous system that 5,000 years ago used to keep us alive in times of danger, like when a saber-toothed tiger would attack our, you know, our tribe. Mm-hmm. Well, that same saber-toothed tigery response happens though when you look at your email and become overwhelmed and so we so you we get this cascade of chemicals 
It amps up our body. It increases our heart rate. It slows down digestion. It actually re, uh, reduces like reproductive processes as well. So we don't want to reproduce. And it gets us ready to, you know, get out of this situation that we deem as a threat. Well, obviously, there's no true threat from looking at your email, right. but we psychologically perceive it as a threat. And so Every, if every single time you check your email, which, by the way, happens once every six minutes for the average person, you are essentially setting off this chemical cascade that is, you know, ultimately over a long period of time, very damaging to you because our bodies weren't designed to be in this constant fight or flight mode. Yeah. We need to activate our parasympathetic nervous system, which helps us rest and digest. But if if we're checking our technology constantly, even just simply email is one example, we're constantly activating our sympathetic nervous system and never allowing ourselves to rest and digest and downregulate that or become calm again. And so this, I believe, this, this, everything that I just described is why the average person today feels really anxious. And that anxiety can eventually even lead to depression. And so it, it, it sounds crazy, but... I truly believe that like really excessive technology use is one of the main reasons we have uh, extremely high depression and anxiety today. Wow. Golly, so, man. But what can, you know, I mean, especially now it's, if anything, like so remodelers, I mean, every day there's a new platform and a new tech to help them do their job more efficiently and faster and better. And, and, you know, to cover their butts with getting client releases on things and, and everything yeah. and they can communicate and, and so, you know, what what, what can you do? Because these are two completely conflicting forces, right? Uh, I mean, there's a couple platforms right now that, you know, the, the project management platforms, I mean, basically clients can reach out to you any time of the day through this platform. And, you know. Well, so, yeah, it's, it's a great question, Mark. And so this is where, again, like I, as you can probably guess, I'm somewhat contrarian on a lot of my thoughts. But I think this is one where I'm particularly more contrarian than the average person. So let's let's rewind the clock to 40 years ago. So let's pretend it was right when you know cell phones started coming out, they were popular, super expensive. And so at that period of time, when something came out and it was technology, like let's say for instance, a personal computer at your house, everyone was like, oh my God, this is really great. This this technology is amazing because it helps me and it does things, allows me to communicate better. And it was a huge improvement in quality of life. Because basically before that, there you know was all manual or analog, right? And so we, you know, for people who were alive back then, we grew up in this mindset that all technology is good. But what's happened is over the last forty years, we now have you know technology is making everything cheaper, faster, um, you know, more accessible, which in general is a good thing. But what I what's happening is. We have eclipsed the point where all technology is good. I do not believe that all technology is good anymore. And if you think about this, so let's pretend we have one system to communicate. Let's just pretend the only way we can communicate is email. Well, there's literally no way to confuse this, you know, this one system with any other system because we only have one. Well, now we introduce, let's just say email and phone calls. Now we have two systems, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now there's much more, much more ways to, you know, com confuse communication between them. But when you add a third system, the problem is it's not just a linear amount of complication. It becomes exponential so, because now you have way more ways for those three systems to communicate. And so when you add a fourth or a fifth or a sixth system, guess what? Now there's not just 
six more ways to communicate or get confused. There's like hundreds if you if you do the math. Right. And so what I believe is that people today think that more technology is always the answer, and I absolutely don't believe that's true. I think more people are are making things way more complicated than they need to, and I think the average person really only needs to have a couple ways to communicate, and that's it. And, and I know that's and the, if you think about it, the reason why everyone is wants more technology is these tech companies have a very high incentive to sell you more of a product because then it makes them more money, which is really obviously stated, right? But the point is, they could always say, well, you can use this software in addition to this piece of software. And so they position them as complements when they really, in my opinion, are substitutes. Ah. Oh, that's, you know, really, you think about it and, and that math, and I think about the different ways we communicate just here in our in our company, you know, you, uh-huh. you, in addition to the email and the phone calls and the texts and the voicemail uh-huh. and Teams and Facebook oh, groups right. and, and go, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So what do we do? <laughs> I mean, what do we do? We go back to only using email and uh, phone calls? I mean, I just, ah. Well, honestly, I, I mean, if I had to choose, right, if I had to choose between using a ton of different platforms and all the, you know, advantages and disadvantages that come with them and the, or just simplifying stuff, let's just say emails, texts, and phone calls, I would absolutely, in my opinion, choose only emails, texts, and phone calls. That's just for me, right? Yeah. And I, I've come up with a system for myself where I – have rules and kind of some guidelines that I use so that I can still use those systems really effectively without having to introduce any more systems. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's, I love what you just said there. Like you have to create rules for yourself because you can't rely on the platforms to do it for you. It's what, you know, I mean, but to that, so one, one rule that I created for myself, if I am uh, in, in my inbox, if I am the the CC of an email and not the the primary, it goes to another folder that I only check twice a day. Oh, I love that. That's and, great. And my assumption really my assumption is that well, I was CC'd on it, so it was just for my information anyway, so I shouldn't be looking at it. Um, right. Now that's caused problems because people are CCing me and expecting me to read it right away. So now I have to try to train other people, right? But you, yeah, you got to do these things. You need to do this stuff, or else you're going to be overwhelmed. Well, and that's so that you bring up a really interesting point, Mark. And one of the things that I help companies do is, and again, this sounds very basic, but you'd be surprised how many companies I talk to that don't have this. When I owned my cell phone repair stores, I had a document called Our Standards of Communication. And it literally had like 20 different points, like you answer emails within this amount of time. If you have this, you know, if you want to do this, like you call me instead of text all these things about how to communicate and the standards with which we wanted to communicate in our company. Well, if think about it, if you don't have a written document that every single employee is aware of that has those standards written, no, everyone is just simply left to guess what the standard is. And what happens is, so let me take you one of my favorite examples, for instance, and this is across like all industries, uh, my, one of my favorite statistics about email. The average email sender, which is basically like one of your employees, right, or one of the people who is in it, remodelers advantage, that person expects to uh, reply to an email within four hours. But the average email, uh, so the average email sender, like your clients, clients, expects a reply to an email once every twenty four hours. But the average email receiver, which is like your (laughs) your, um, your your people of your organization, they expect to reply within four hours. 
So there's a four-hour expectation on one end and a 24-hour expectation wow. on the other end. That's a massive disconnect. Imagine if every single person in Remodeler's Advantage knew that one thing. Hey, I, I actually don't have to respond to an email for 24 hours. And they really believe that and did that within the organization. Everything would be completely different. They, the way they do their jobs and their stress level would be totally different. Actually, though, here our expectation is 15 minutes. <laughs> so so and I, I get what you're saying, Mark. So here's the, other, here's the other thing, right, is let's pretend you do have something that's urgent. Well, what I coach people on is, you know, you we can still do something like make a phone call. Even uh, though it doesn't, you know, people don't think about that anymore because they just think, oh, phone is only for texting. But And so, if you again, if you set the standard for someone like, hey, if you need to reply to this email in under an hour, I think you should just call me instead. There's nothing bad that's going to happen. You might occasionally get a few more phone calls, but then what that allows you to do is you can step away from your email for an hour or two or three and not have to worry about it and then just do the stuff that's really important in your job. Mm-hmm. All right. What's it, another, give me another like practical, realistic thing that we can do to help ourselves. Totally. Yeah, so one of the, I think one of the biggest areas for improvement for people is in their quality of sleep. And there's a lot of things that are contributing to why we have poor sleep today. One of the things I believe is because we are, have this uh, sympathetic nervous system, this fight or flight system activated all day, if that isn't, if we don't give ourselves enough time to relax before bed, then it actually keeps us up. It contributes to us having poor sleep. And if you think about it, if you have poor sleep, it impacts every single thing in your life, everything, right. everything mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. every single thing. And so, like, I can't think of a more important thing than trying to get better sleep in terms of trying to improve my mental health. And so one of the things that I coach people on is um, how at least an hour before bed, you should ideally avoid all screens, even TV. But but tablets and phones are worse than TV, and here's why. Um, the average tablet or phone has more blue light emitting from it, which is the same uh, te- color temperature as the sun. And so when we see that, uh, you know, we interpret it as daylight, and that gives our body's circadian rhythm signals to stay awake. And a lot of people say, well, I just use blue light blocking glasses, or I set my, uh, like, a screen setting on there to change, which is helpful. But I actually still think it's not good enough. And the other reason is, a screen or tablet brightness is way brighter than a TV. And so when you're holding something super close to your face, even if it has no blue light in it, it's still, because of the intensity of the light, it's still telling your body that you should be awake. And so one of the rules that I, again, like guidelines that I have for myself is, there's some settings in your iPhone where you can tell it to go into sleep mode at nine. I go to bed and try to go to 1030. So I have it go to bed, or I have it uh, go into sleep mode at 930. Oh. And what that does is it dims the screen, it turns it totally yellow, so it eliminates the blue light automatically. And then it automatically also puts my phone on do not disturb, mm. so that only my wife, if she calls or texts, can get through. But anybody else, it goes to, you know, it doesn't show me that they're calling or texting. Right. And so then I can, then I, and then the other thing I do is I try to, um, when I see that my phone goes into the do not disturb mode, that's my prompt for me to put my phone on the charger for the night. So I'm not tempted to use it anymore, uh, which honestly, that's one of the, that's one of the only things that I struggle with, with my <laughs> own tech use is, uh, 
not putting it on the charger when I see it's in do not disturb mode, but I still do it the majority of night. <laughs> that's great. Good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that, that's. Did you uh, have you read the book um, Hooked? By, um, yes, by Neri Eel. Yeah. I love the book. It has, it has a ton of psychology in it. Yeah. Um, really felt like that was super impactful and uh, definitely helped me understand the space a lot better. Yeah, it's a great book. And it does kind of make you cringe a little bit when you see, like, because the, the full title is How to Build Habit Forming Products. Right. Yes. And and th- at the end of the day, you, that's what you're saying. And that's really what they're doing. All these companies, I mean, they make money if you're hooked to using their product. So that's what they want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And what's interesting is BJ Fogg, he actually, I believe he was a Stanford uh, University um, professor who gave a class on how to build and have performing products. And he was, she was like the, the ground zero for this entire industry. And so he has this book called Tiny Habits, which is essentially, I think, Nier is like one of his disciples, if I'm not ah, mistaken. Yeah. Cool. And so, um, so if you're really interested in that stuff, you can also read the Tiny Habits book, which I think is helpful for building habits that are, you know, again, positive for you and can help improve your mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, I, I, I'm sure we could talk about this for, for hours and hours, <laughs> but, but the time has come and, and, you know, we've been on the screen for 30 minutes now, so we need to cut that <laughs> off. You're, 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 you're negatively <laughs> impacting my screen time right now. So, so in order to do that, we're going to jump into the lightning round. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Love it. And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? Oh, Laws of Human, Happy- Laws of, uh, Human Nature by Robert Greene. It basically is like a manual for understanding humans. If you weren't the Chief Connection Officer of Humans First, what do you think you'd be doing? I, I wouldn't be doing anything else. I'm doing what I'm I would come back to this. What are you not very good at? Directions. I need Google Maps for everything. My <laughs> wife makes fun of me all the time. I literally, it's a sad reliance that I have. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? All of them are clean, so none of them. <laughs> They're all very clean. <laughs> Name something that you refuse to share. Uh, my pens. I like. I don't like it when people use my pens because they uh, they mess up the tips on them. <laughs> have you ever been told you look like someone famous? Um, some people have said I look like um, uh, Tim Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> and in one word, describe your high school self. Uh, anxious. Hey, this has been really good, Rob. Very, very uh, informative and interesting. And a lot of good books to read came out of this conversation, too. Now, before we let you go, I want you to tell our listening audience what your five words of wisdom are and why they resonate with you. Mm -hmm. So the five words are love, success, happiness are infinite. And um, I believe that this, you know, this is the like the true, um, like true mindset of a growth minded person. When you think about if. You know, if you truly believe that love, success, and happiness are infinite, what that means is that the amount of those that I experience doesn't take them away from the amount that you experience. And so if you use that and think about that, it becomes so much easier to help other people and to turn toward others and to better their lives because uh, you realize that we can all have as much love, success, and happiness as possible. Yeah, that's great. Great philosophy. Really like it. How will people find out more about Human First, Humans First and you? 
Where should they go? Yeah, so it, um, my website should be ready in a, in a couple of weeks. If you want to go to humansfirst.us, humansfirst.us, the website should be available. And, uh, you know, I would really love to connect with people, you know, ideally over Zoom or over the phone, but hopefully in person. I'm actually also in Denver, Colorado. So if there's any listeners out there, I'd love to meet with you in person. But otherwise, I'd love to just chat with people about this and, uh, you know, see how I can help you uh, improve your life through better technology years. That's great. Thank you so much. We'll be sure to put that all in the show notes. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you so much. Bye, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. The thought of trying to reduce one's use of technology and screen time is really beneficial, I think. But, boy. Easier said than done. Yeah. I mean, literally every day there's a new app or plug-in or program or platform or something you know because everybody's trying to make money <laughs> and again it's not only about communi- how you communicate it's i mean you're playing games on there now you're you know i spend <laughs> playing games on airplanes and all that it's looking at my phone it's just right. it's a little crazy yeah it's it it is something that needs to be on the forefront of everybody's mind especially for you know if you have kids and stuff i'm sure a lot of people are, are keenly aware of of that but mm-hmm. it's so hard i mean because also you don't you, it's striking the balance because at the end of the day the the future the now everything is technology right you're only going to do your kids a disservice if they're not right uh not really up to, speed. up to speed on everything but but there has to be a balance and this whole covid thing man talk about i mean that's something i thought about last year just man yeah. it's accelerating right the screen time and the use just mm-hmm. Just something astronomical. But, yeah. But you know, aside from kids, even just adults, you know, it's it's how do we do our job? I mean, literally, we're we're right now in front of screens. Right. And I'm looking at the screen and I'm I'm watching fr- the when monitor. When I'm here, I'm in front of it all day. All long. day. How and do you how do you not do that? And it's the only way to communicate. And it's just it's it's it is part of work. And yeah. So trying to, I think it's just about trying to kind of put rules in place for yourself and mm-hmm. and whatever that may be to try to lower that anxiety. Because like I said, that, that book is really an interesting book that I read. I read that years mm-hmm. and years ago, but it does go into all that. I mean, really, the everything that Rob was saying, it's it's about releasing endorphins and, mm-hmm. and trying to get that joy. And, and these products are, are built to, to stimulate that. And so your constant state of stimuli, you know, mm-hmm. it's just... Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, well, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it was. Uh. Well, hopefully, right now, though, for the last thirty some odd minutes, nobody's been in screen time. They're That's right, windshield time. Yes, just listening peacefully yes. to to our Calmly. soothing, calm voices. Yes. All right. Well, that's been fun. Thanks, Rob, for sharing these insights with us, and we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I'm Mark Harari, and I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.